welcome to another episode of All Roads Leading Here. Today I'm talking with my friend Connor. Uh, I met Connor when he was about 14 years old. I don't remember how old I was back in the uh, old Von Wolf days. Um, and even at that age, he was a crazy good drummer. Probably one of the best that I'd ever seen, and still to this day, one of the best that I'd ever seen. Um, so yeah, I'm going to talk with him about uh, his progression um, as a musician, a professional drummer, um, kind of the differences between DIY touring and uh, almost seemingly overnight he became, um, I mean, I th- the first year he did some serious touring with Being as an Ocean, I think he was in Europe like four times within the year, so it was pretty much overnight. This kid's just thrown out into the industry and uh, had to get used to it pretty quick. So we dive into a lot of that, uh, some crazy stories that come along with it. He's a great kid. Um, support him. Watch his Twitch. He does a lot of cool drum videos, um, kind of out-of-the-box drum videos. I mean, the kid rips. So uh, one love. Here's the episode. Okay, bye. Okay, so I'm here with my friend Connor. Connor, say hello. What's up? What's up, everybody? <laughs> so, Connor, you play drums in Beartooth. But also, you're... Uh, you're technically like, a, um, are you still doing like professional drumming, like for hire? Yeah. So not really in a touring sense because, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm full time with Beartooth. So that pretty much takes up all my time for touring. But, um, but yeah, I do, uh, I do session work for people. So I record, uh, from home mm-hmm. and send the tracks out to people. So yeah, I've been doing a lot of that during this whole, uh, quarantine situation. I mean, that's, that's an, that's a good thing to get into, huh? What was the, what was the most recent thing you did that you can talk about? Well, I actually did a track. I actually did a track yesterday. Um, I don't, I don't remember the name of the band, but I'm not, I don't know when that'll be coming out, but I, but I played, (laughs) I played on, um, I played on this dude's songs. His name's Jonathan Windham. Uh, mm-hmm. those are out. That was the last thing I recorded on that's been released. So I played on two songs for him. He's kind of like a, uh, singer songwriter, but this, the songs are pretty rocky. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And, uh, yeah, on top of the, the remote session stuff, I've been streaming on Twitch. Um, so I play drums on Twitch and play along to a bunch of songs that I enjoy. And, uh, I take I take song requests and stuff and yeah that that's been a lot of fun as well. Yeah, so you're able to keep pretty busy during um during quarantine. Yeah, I try. The first few months were were uh you know, I was enjoying just sitting around doing nothing and yeah, as and I'm the, sure everyone can relate, it got old pretty quick. Yeah, I feel like everyone in those first two months it's kind of like a I feel like it it was kind of like an extended snow day and it was like the sense of like you haven't, you don't really have like too many responsibilities, but then once it sets in that, like, this is like the new normal and you might be stuck here for a while. I feel like everyone, that's what happened to me. Like, that's when I started doing the podcast and like, just staying as busy as possible, like trying to just come up with new things and, oh man, it's just, and we're still going. It's never going to yeah, end. That's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any of us thought this would still be going on. Um, and yeah, when it first happened, it was kind of cool. Like it was fun. Like everyone I lived with was home all day cause no yeah. one was working. And you know, it was like, Oh, I'm going to be off from tour for a while. Like it's, will be a nice break. And mm-hmm. you know, but then, you know, once we hit like may, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm ready to play a show again. I'm ready for my house to not be full of people all the time. Right. Yeah. 
So, you know. Yeah, that's, yeah. I feel like we're all, we're all ready for it to end. So uh, if anyone's yeah. listening, you, everyone should wear a mask. <laughs> yes, agreed. Please stop. I know Nashville has been insane. I feel like yeah, Nashville dude. is kind of like how Florida is. Like the Nashville as a city is a microcosm of how all of Florida was. Like, cause I, you know, I have a lot of friends that live in Nashville and when all this stuff was happening with like uh, Kid Rock's honky tonk and like all that stuff. And then that like art house thing, the great art house, uh, debacle oh happened. I was like, dude, yeah. it, it makes me like in a, a, a perverted sense. It makes me feel a lot better to know that Florida isn't on its like, isn't the only place that it's all happening for. So I, I know how it is, but right. So, yeah. <laughs> how, I don't even leave the house. You what? I know. I don't, I don't blame you. Yeah, I, I don't even leave the house. Yeah. I try not to as much as I can. So how long, when did you, uh, when did you start drumming? Like, how did you get into it? So, uh, I started playing when I was 11 years old. Uh, it's actually kind of a funny story. My dad was talking to my brothers and I, and essentially, I don't want to say lecturing us, but kind of, kind of lecturing us like, Hey, you guys have to have to find a hobby. You have to find something useful to do with your time. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that'll help you, you know, have a, you know, just a good way to spend your time. And and that may be something that you're, you're thankful for later in life that you have. And, and I was like, we were watching the movie drumline, the Nick Cannon movie. And I was like, all right, get me, get me a drum. Like one like that. (laughs) Like I was referring to a snare drum, but I didn't know what it was called. Right. And, uh, and so he got me a snare drum for my birthday and I just kind of messed around on it for uh, a couple months. And then, uh, when Christmas came, I asked for, uh, for a full kit mm-hmm. and, uh, he got me a kit and I started taking lessons and I mean, pretty much actually, I started taking lessons before I got the kit basically to make sure like, Hey, let's make sure you're into this before I buy you a drum set. Yeah. And I mean, man, pretty much from that first lesson, I, I can still remember, you know, uh, coming out of that first lesson, I was like, all right, this is like, I'm obsessed with this already. Yeah. I, it's funny. I was talking to, um, with my buddy Chris last week and I was telling him, I was talking to him about it too, about how I wanted to play guitar simply because of, uh, Foo Fighters, um, that whole, uh, in your honor record. I was like, wow, I want to learn how to play guitar like that. And then, I remember I was, I was like begging my dad to buy me this like guitar that I found on, I think musician's friend or something. It was like this, like sky blue, I think it was a fender, um, just like a very basic guitar. And like, I was like looking into like wanting to start. And then I started listening to, um, I think that's like right around the same time that, um, that August Burns red record came out. The, uh, thrill seekers one where yeah. it was a thrill seeker. No, no, no. Um, messengers. yeah. Messengers. And that's when I, heard like Matt Griner playing drums for the first time. And I was like, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. And so <laughs> I went on musician's friend again and bought the pulse. I don't know if you ever saw a photo of me with that drum set, or if you were even at my house when I had it fully set up, but it was an eight piece. It was a two bass drums, three rack toms and two floor toms. Oh, and, I've definitely seen the pictures. Okay. Yeah. And all I had was a, um, a 14 inch or a 16 inch crash and a, uh, 14 inch China. And that was it. A Wuhan China. Those were the only two symbols that I had for like three months. 
That's amazing. No hi hats. Yeah, no hi hats whatsoever. <laughs> and even when I got the hi hats, I think I got like the Minel HCSs because I wanted to play Minels. Like I was, yeah. I don't know what it was about Minels that I was like obsessed with. Um, I think just because of how they looked was those the Bison's ones, and I like bought like a pair of those from uh, a music store in Daytona, and they were basically just like aluminum, like I mean horrendous like quality, yeah. and they broke they broke <laughs> within yeah. like. Yeah, they broke within like a month. Same with my my China. Everything broke, you know, when I first had it. But it was like, it's such a funny thing to like think about when you first got like your first whatever instrument you got. Oh, yeah, man. I love it. Like I, I still have my first kit. It's it's not here with me in Nashville. It's at my dad's house in Florida. But uh-huh. um, I still have that kit. And yeah, I mean, I'll never get rid of it. It's just every time I look at it, too, it it you know, it just reminds me of, you know, playing back then is just, is just a different feeling than playing now. You know, I, yeah. I love, I love drumming as much as I ever have, but you know, when you're first starting out, there's just like, man, it's just such a cool feeling when you like realize like how much you, how much you're into this new thing that you got, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, you can't recreate that experience. I mean, yeah, I, when I, when I started out, I didn't take any lessons or anything. I learned simply by li- like listening to a song and trying to play, uh-huh. play along. But I remember recording myself like, cause I wanted to put them up on YouTube, but I remember when I would watch them back and like finally nail the song and I'd be like, wow, dude, I'm like the best drummer ever. Like I'm so <laughs> good. And then I, I remember when I did my first, when I finally did like, the first August Burns Red song, I think it was 11th Hour, which is like, I think that was like the easiest song to play on that record in the grand and it's scheme still of things. Really hard. Yeah, yeah, and it's still really hard. But I remember when I like nailed that, and I was like, "Wow, dude, this is, I'm that's it, man. I'm gonna be a drummer. I'm gonna be a professional yeah. drummer." <laughs> that's um, awesome. Wait, was that the set that you used in your old YouTube video- videos, the A7X YouTube videos? Yes, the Blue oh, Sparkle Kit. Yeah. Yes, dude yeah wow that's yeah. that's a true piece of history right there <laughs> yeah we actually my dad and i took the wrap off and refinished it oh uh, really i didn't know yeah, that like so it was blue sparkle and then sometime uh, i want to say in like 2011 we because i know i had already had my second kit which i got in 2010 so sometime in 2011 we uh we took the wrap off and mm-hmm. refinished it. I say we, but it was supposed to be we. Yeah. But my dad ended up pretty much doing all the work. It was one <laughs> of those things where it's like, I think he, he kind of was like, all right, well, if we do this, like you're going to have to help me. Like he kind of didn't really want to do it, but he's just being right. a good dad. You know? mm-hmm. But then like, once we started doing it, he got really into it, you know? Yeah. And, and I was like too young to actually be able to contribute any value. So uh-huh. So he kind of took matters into his own hands, but he, he did a great job. And yeah, so it has like a natural finish on it. It's pretty cool. Dude, that's really funny. Cause that's, I'm not even joking. That's the exact same thing that happened to me. I took the wrap off my pulse kit and, um, like I showed my mom, like, I remember this was the time of, um, when like all the custom drum sets were like, I don't know. I feel like there was that time where like truth SJC and what was the other one? Um, I don't know the other big one, but they were doing like the shine, natural Orange County. Yeah. Yeah. Shine like oh, one, where they yeah. were doing like the natural finishes with like the really bright fluorescent hardware. Oh my God. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. I, I showed my mom. A, 
Yeah, that's what I did. I did the natural dark. I remember wood. that. Yeah, and then spray painted like the the hoops and things like a fluorescent green. And she did the same thing. She was like, "Okay, you can help me." And then she like got so OCD about it. I came home one day from school, and the whole thing was just done. And I was like, "Wow, this is <laughs> incredible!" And I still, it's still like that's the kit that I've played. I mean, I I don't think I'll ever really buy another drum set for a while because I don't have room. I like I can't play, so it's like, but man, that thing is. That's so funny that we like the same exact storyline. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm glad you still have that kit. Oh yeah, yep. So it's right in the right in the uh, garage. I mean, I used it when I was playing shows with um, with Final Say. Like I still, I mean, that's like the kit that I always use. And the thing that sucks yeah. is that I was I had Jesse Dinero's like 13 inch by like eight inch crazy snare drum the one that he used in von wolf and he he like left it at my house for the longest time and i was hoping he was going to forget it but he never did and he finally took it back but then i ended up getting like a <laughs> acrylic pork pie um that like i love the I think one? I, no no the clear one ah okay but it's funny because whenever i would bring it to play shows every single time like i you know that's like a it's not like a very crazy expensive or like uh like hard to find snare drum. And when I was playing shows with final say every single show I'd play, everyone would be like, dude, I'm buying that snare drum as soon. I'm like, that's crazy. Cause I think I bought it for like 80 bucks off my, my friend, like just randomly. And I was like, I, it's so funny that I have this, that everyone just is like realizes, I think acrylic snares sound amazing, but yeah, they're cool. They're yeah. cool for sure. Um, so was sleep patterns your first band or was there a band before that? Uh, sleep patterns was the first band I ever played a show with. I mean, I had, I was in, I was in two bands before that, that never played a show, never really, I mean, never really wrote our own songs. So I don't really count those. Yes. I'd say sleep patterns was my first band. Um, yeah. First band I ever played a show with first band Uh where I was ever a part of like writing a song and right. So, yeah. And then we met in what, 20, 2010, 2011? Uh, 11, 11 okay. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think. And where, where was the first time that we met each other? Was it in, was it in South Florida or was it in like, was it at like the JCs in Melbourne or something? I, so I've been trying to put that together. I, don't even... I think, um, I think the first time we technically met, I think was, uh, at that Von Wolf show that was at, um, the indoor go-karting place. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. That was the first time. Okay. So you were obviously with Von Wolf. Like you were, you were always traveling with them and Von Wolf was like kind of the band in the state of Florida. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, at the time I would have been like 14. Yeah. Dude, you were super young. Yeah, I was 14. Yeah. I remember that. I was 14 and like they were just like, it was all, even though they were, you know, another, another band from the, from Florida that were, you know, they were a local band, but they were doing more than the rest of us. Like they were, you know, they were kind of, they were more on their way than the rest of us were. And, Mm -hmm. but still they were kind of like mythical creatures. Like we loved (laughs) them so much that they, they were like larger than life, you know? And I remember that show, was the first time that we kind of like actually met them. And like, so then obviously I would have met you that day and, yeah. you know, uh, 
just kind of like the first time that it was like, oh, these are just nice guys. They're just mm-hmm. normal people and they're really cool. And yeah, I, I remember that. It was a big deal. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny to say now, but it was a big deal to, to meet them and like, you know, for them to actually be really cool. Cause that's not always the case when you're, when you're kind of a younger, um, the younger band, some of the older dudes who are a lot better kind of just don't have time to, you know, to be cool to you. So I, I always appreciated that they were like super, super nice to us. Yeah. I think the, I think it was like we first met then. And then like the time after that was like the crazy show at, um, what was it? Uh, what was that band? that like Austin plus caught was in and, um, uh, what we're afraid of. Right. The, what we're afraid of like record yeah. release where like all the fights happened. No, and stuff. We, no, we had, we, we had a bunch of experiences in between that. Oh, okay. We had, I, oh, yeah. All right. The go-kart was the first one. And then there was like the first time that Von Wolf came down and played solid sound. Oh, Oh and yeah. Yeah. So Von yeah. Wolf played solid sound and you guys all stayed at my dad's house. Yes. Yeah. I remember and that. That was, uh, that was the, I, that was the first time it was like, oh, okay, like we're friends with these guys. Like I actually, we know these guys and, you know, and uh, yeah. And then the What We're Afraid Of show at the Speakeasy was sometime after that. Which was a psychotic Man. show. I feel that show to me is like a fever dream because of all the crazy stuff that happened. There was like the crazy redneck dude that was like fighting everyone. Dom ended up having yeah. like this like massive speech about like how everyone was like, uh, cowards. And then Jesse, like, <laughs> I remember, yeah, it was like really crazy. Cause I was like on stage and like, there was like, there was like b- before the, uh, Von Wolf set, it was like, there had been like four or five fights and it was like, yeah. not like, it was not like anything crazy. It was like these like dudes that were like standing at the back of the venue that were just picking people off. And I remember we didn't even know, right. Which is yeah. Not- you know, everyone knows each other. So the fact that there was those random people there yeah. and they were the ones. He was apparently, was yeah, so it was bizarre. like apparently the, like a group of friends that were like friends with the promoter. Cause that dude, cause the promoter is yeah. the one who like kicked me, Jesse and Dom out of the side door and like told us we couldn't come back in. And we were just like, okay, well then we're not pl- like you booked us on, or like you booked us on the show and Jesse was like screaming at him. And he was like, what are you talking <laughs> about? And then, yeah, it was just like the crazy redneck dude with the giant boots was like stomping on a kid and I had to like, it was just, yeah, that was mayhem. And then Dom called them all out and none of those kids said anything. Like it was just like, Dom was like, you guys are a bunch of cowards. Stop fighting everyone. And like, they didn't say anything, which was so funny, but yeah, that was funny. Yeah. And that's like on, I have that video on one of the episodes. And then I remember the other, the last, I think one of the last ones we ever did was like um, where you guys came in the van and that's where uh, Joe tried to murder me. That was like Dude. one of the, I think that was the, one of the last weekenders that like we ever all did together. And that was the one where, um, we went to that, uh, place in Tampa. And when we were leaving, uh, Dom's apartment is when Joe legitimately tried to murder me. And he was the only one that thought it was funny. Yeah. So we have to talk about that story, obviously. I yeah. Mean, I forgot to bring it up. That- I forgot to bring it up in the one that I did with Dom and Joe, because I always, Joe's reasoning for it is like legitimately something like a, a, like a sociopath would say, because he was the only one that found it funny. But the backstory of it is you guys were involved in a pretty serious accident, like in the early stages of sleep patterns. Am I correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So you guys were like, you guys had like a, basically a set of rules, like when it came to driving the van, which is like pretty, 
yeah, that's a very normal thing to do after like a pretty serious crash, especially when the van that we're riding in, the Von Wolf van, for anyone that like has ever been in a 15 passenger, the way that they set it up was like they got rid of the middle bench. So it was basically an open floor where we all like sat down and like basically had more room to kind of just hang out. And then you guys had like uh, the seats where you like had to be like buckled in, which is like a very normal thing, probably the smartest thing to do. And we were driving out of Dom's apartment and Joe was uh, driving and basically we all loaded in the van and you guys like were all sitting down and I was in the middle of like getting my stuff together and Joe's driving through like an apartment complex going like 20 and we're all like settling in and out of nowhere he slams on the brakes and I flew all the way up like my back. Yeah, I like I was like standing facing the back bench and I flew right between both front seats, smacked like my ribs on the um on like the stereo console and my head snapped back into the glass and I broke the like I cracked the windshield. And I like fell over because the wind had been knocked out of me and like had like a heart attack cuz I thought an actual like accident happened and Joe is like beside himself he is laughing so hard and you guys i like look up at i remember looking up at zach dude he this is this is how i remember it so you walk in the van and you get in through the passenger door because the back door didn't work so everyone had to enter the van through the passenger door so you get in and then jesse gets back in in the front seat and and you're you're standing basically in between the two front seats like like organizing stuff in your backpack, doing something before you sat down and Joe's driving. Like you said, he's going like, he's going like 25 for, and this is only going on for like 10 seconds. Right. And, and we're all on the bench. So we're, you know, you're facing us, your bet, your, your back <laughs> is facing the windshield. Joe slams on the brakes, you know, whatever you just told this story. So you hit windshield cracks. You're on the ground after you hit the windshield and you're just, sitting there and it's total silence and the first thing to break the silence after like six or seven seconds is joe goes i am so sorry man (laughs) i'm so sorry and as soon as he starts saying sorry dom is screaming at joe and then you're like you're just sitting there like in pain and then yeah, eventually, eventually, uh, I remember Joe being like, "Dude, I didn't think you were gonna go flying forward right. like that." And you, right. like, you said, "You said the van is going twenty-five miles an hour. That means my body is going twenty-five right. miles an hour. So if you slam the brakes, I'm gonna fly at twenty-five miles an hour." Dude, that was and looking even, back, right? It was so funny. yeah, I mean, looking back now, it's still. I mean, it's so funny. But I remember, like, I. I had the wind knocked out of me so hard that I was like on the ground, like trying to catch my breath. And also my, I had like a huge knot in the back of my head and like (laughs) Dom was like in that state of like, I cannot believe my brother is that stupid. And he was just like, you know how Dom is where he's like logical and his ex, like he's always logical in his arguments where he's just like, Joe, what were you thinking? And I remember like I was in pain, but when I looked up at Zach, Zach was like, had turned white dude because he yeah. had like ptsd from the crash and he was just like like this like and i was like dude and like dom was like why would you do that what is the reasoning and he's like well i thought it would be funny like it's funny <laughs> and we're just like no and then like i'm sitting there and i'm like wheezing and like 
Jesse was pretty quiet the whole time too. Just like, dude, you're an idiot. And then the stereo broke the whole like center console cracked. And then we cracked the windshield and Max wasn't in the van. So Dom's like, I'm not telling him you're going to tell him. And like, yeah. I remember he didn't say anything, but it was like a, a like a couple weekends after when we did like a weekend, or I think it was that that weekend oh at the, I know the tail story. end. Yeah, the tail end. Max was like, "What the fuck happened?" Like, he found the crack, and someone said, "Oh, it was really cold out. It must have cracked." The yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That Dude, was crazy. Yeah. I remember because like it took like 15 minutes for it to be like funny because you like like I said, Zach was like really out of it, and I was like. I thought for sure I had broken a rib. That's how hard I hit that center console. And I was like, I remember because I was like, I think I broke a rib. And Dom's like, you didn't break a rib, dude. And I was like, okay, I guess you're right. But it definitely hurts yeah. really bad. And then like it took 15 minutes. And then I think I can't remember who broke it, like who finally like made the joke. But when it was made, it was really funny. And looking back, yeah. it still is really funny because he will take that to his grave where he will say it was funny, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So um i'm trying to think then um because i remember i did the first uh a little bit of foreshadowing was i did i think i i did do that first weekender with you guys when uh we did the shows with being as an ocean right when they were still an early band yeah yeah so yeah, you were really with us yeah so we so sleep patterns uh played three shows with being as an ocean um in florida and Basically what was going on is, you know, the way that our bands would tour back then is like you would basically come up with a routing and post it on the internet mm -hmm. and reach out to your friends that you have in different bands from, from different States. Um, and kind of just be like, Hey, who can help us get a show in, you know, uh, you know, Richmond this day, who can help us get a show in Atlanta this day, who can, and that's kind of how we would book tours and being as an ocean was basically doing that all the way from, from California. And yeah. they found our band and they basically uh, contacted us and were like, Hey, you know, cause you guys potentially get us on some shows in Florida and, you know, we could always return the favor in California if you ever are out this way. And so we got them on three shows in Florida and uh, yeah, uh, met them and kind of hit it off with them. They were, you know, super cool guys. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's how I got introduced to those guys. And, uh, I remember, you know, we played those shows with them and they were pretty, you know, typical shows of, of, you know, what we were playing back then, you know, smaller shows, not a ton of people turning out. Yeah. Um, and it was not even like a year later that we saw, you know, I saw a video of being as an ocean playing to like a thousand kids in Germany. And I was like, what the hell happened? Like they just kind of blew up overnight. Um, and then it wasn't too long after that, that they ended up asking me uh, to, uh, to join the band. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I remember because it was like, I, it was just so, so crazy. That it was like a turn of events. Cause I remember that first show that we played, it was in Jacksonville at um, what was it? Uh, I can't remember that one spot, the hole in the wall Phoenix, spot. Phoenix tap room. Yeah. And there was like, what? Yeah. There was like 10 kids there if that yeah and it was like yeah. i was actually right before i got on this call with you i was looking at the video and i was like dude there's no one there and then it was like when was i feel like um it's we also played three two one with them in Cocoa yes. beach yeah three two one uh that's the other part of the video that i have 
And I remember 321, that's the other infamous venue I talked about with Dom and Joe in that episode where that venue was such a crazy spot at all times. Like the 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 people that came out to the shows there were just like <laughs> I always remember that venue as being like that's like the bar that's like the venue you go to after having your drinks at Applebee's. That's like the best way I can describe it to people. <laughs> yeah. Three two one is pretty pretty raggedy. Yeah. But so that happened and then yeah, it was like a year after that you finally like got into the band and then it was like from my point of view, I feel like that first year you were in Europe like four times. Yeah, dude. The first year with that band was insane. I mean, it was I cannot recall another point in my life where I was uh you know, a lot of great things were happening for me and I love those dudes, you know, to this day, I'm so grateful that they asked me to join the band and, you know, essentially gave me my start in, you know, in music, you know, like gave Mm -hmm. me my, my start in a real, you know, a real career in music. And, uh, and yeah, but that, that first year was like, I was 17 and, you know, these guys were, they had been doing it for at least a year at that point. And they were yeah. all a little older than me. Um, and I just kind of got thrown into the deep end and, uh, it was crazy, man. I mean, we went and we went and recorded a record in Atlanta and then we went on tour and mm-hmm. yeah, the first tour was, was UK and Europe. And I think we did Europe three times that year. Yeah. And we did like three full U S tours and we did Australia yep so we were like i remember that year uh i counted how many days i was home i was home for less than 60 days so we were we were out for more than 300 days uh and that was 2014 that's insane i didn't know i i didn't remember it was to that extent because i remember you telling me you were gonna i forget where we were me and you were somewhere where you were telling me you were doing australia and i was like dude that's amazing that's been my bucket list spot to go and i was like that's awesome and then but how was it the transition from like i mean i'm i know that obviously like you you weren't you were still like touring in a 15 passenger but like how was it going from touring in sleep patterns to like going straight to europe were you that first, that first one, were you guys in a van or were you in a bus the first tour? So that first Europe tour, uh, so the UK leg and the Europe leg were, were totally separate tours. Like mm-hmm. it was different bands and everything. Uh, yeah. So for the UK leg, we were, we were in this like camper, like RV camper thing. And it was mm-hmm. awful. Like I would have rather been in a van. Um, it just wasn't set up for touring. It was actually a mistake. This is just all so funny, man. It goes to, it all goes to add to the stories of like early touring. Like Uh we landed in London and I'm already like super anxious. Like I, you know, I never got nervous to play a show, like playing a show. I've never been nervous for a single show in my life. I've always been comfortable in that setting, but landing in another country without like my dad and I'm 17 and I'm like, what the hell is like it all kind of, you know, reality kind of hit at that point. Right. And, uh, yeah, I just remember we go to meet the guy who was supposed to be driving us for the tour and we see the camper and Tyler, the guitar player who kind of like 
organized everything for the band was like what the hell is this like the, like this isn't what we booked yeah and the, the driver was like i don't know this is what they sent me and it's like you know it's not his fault and we're like yeah. okay i guess we'll get in and we'll try to figure it out in the next couple of days we get in this thing and it's like we had merch boxes piled up in the bathroom we had <laughs> like we didn't have a trailer so we didn't and all the thankfully all the back line we were sharing a drum set and cabs and stuff with mm-hmm. another band, but we had our own guitars and like we had a cymbal case and a snare drum and, you know, mm-hmm. and so all that stuff was like piled up in the bathroom and it was just like, some of it was just on the floor in this camper. There wasn't enough room to sleep everybody. So like people were in sleeping bags on the floor. I mean, dude, it was just a complete shit show. And yeah, so it was, it was tough. I was really I was really anxious pretty much that entire tour. Um, and then when we switched to the Europe leg after about two weeks in the UK, uh, we got on a bus and that was definitely like, when I found out we were getting on a bus, I was like, Holy shit. Like, yeah, this is crazy. You know, it's kind of now, now it's starting to feel like, okay, I'm on a different level here. Like this is, you know, yeah, it's pretty cool. And the bus was, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, in Europe, oftentimes uh, when you accept a tour, you, you're accepting kind of the whole package. You're accepting the transportation, the accommodations, everything. Mm-hmm. And that's how this tour was. So we were sharing this bus with three other bands. So Yeah, what was that was, tour again? So it was uh, – we were, we were headlining uh, and we were co-headlining with 100th. So it was okay. Being as an Ocean and 100th and we were flip-flopping. And then counterparts was direct support and polar was the opener. And polar okay. is a, is a, like a metalcore band from the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and all four bands were on one bus. And I want to say we had 24 people. One Dude, vehicle. that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I know, yeah, I know about, um, I know about like that, how it works over there. I listened to that podcast with uh, stick to your guns as a podcast, kind of similar to this which actually inspired me to do this because of like how I wanted to do the documentary series. But they talked about one where they did, um, they did like the crazy tour. Uh, and I think it was with you guys, was the trash talk one? Yes, we were on that too. Yeah. Yeah. They talked oh about it god. in their, in their podcast a bit. And that's when I was like, Oh my God, like I couldn't imagine sharing a, a bus with that many people, especially like, it's not even just like sharing it with that. Like if you don't know those people and you just go into it, it is like, it's nerve wracking because it's like, you know, you got like people, like people in trash talk are a lot different than people in your band and vice, like vice versa. It's not necessarily saying that you're not going to get along with them, but it's like, that's, you know, it's like getting a, it's like getting a house with four different families and you're just thrown into it for a month or however long. And you just have to hope that everyone gets along. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, man. That's a good way to put it. I mean, you know, luckily I've I've done plenty of tours like that. I mean, we don't do that anymore, but I did plenty of tours like that. And, uh, you know, luckily we, we always kind of had good situations. I mean, you know, there were definitely times where you're sharing with certain, you're living with certain people that you're like, okay, this, we do not gel. Like this isn't work, Mm -hmm. but you just kind of have to deal with it. Um, but for the most part, I mean, nothing crazy ever happened. I mean, well, I shouldn't say nothing crazy ever happened. We had so many crazy situations with buses breaking down and, yeah, you know, and when you're broken down on the side of the road and you have 24 people, I mean, <laughs> it's not easy to figure out a solution. Like, and you're yeah. in another country 
and your driver doesn't speak English. I mean, it's just, it's, it's total chaos, but um, I mean, we were always lucky to, to share with, with cool bands, you know, and um, especially when I was younger and we were sharing and, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those, dudes who had been there before you know they, mm-hmm. they kind of looked out for me and so uh so that that was cool you know I, I think once once we switched to europe uh and got on the bus and everything on that that first run overseas yeah with being as and that's kind of when my anxiety subsided a little bit and i was like you know a little more comfortable and at ease yeah i mean i, I would probably be in the, especially like if you go through however long you go through in hell and then it's like you just transition over i feel like you finally get some sleep you know what i mean like that's how i would be too i like i it's funny because you know when i like wanted to do this full time and like the goal was always to be able to do europe or australia or anything and then after i hear so many stories from people it's like i mean it's kind of like how it is touring in the states sometimes like you could get a tour that's a full u.s but like you could be doing an eight-hour drive through the entire day going through really cool spots, but then you can only get to the venue and then you have to turn around and get right back on the road. And that's what I've heard about Europe is like, you could have a, like a routing that's like, you know, 12 hour drives and you're driving through like places that you really want to get to see and you just can't, you know what I mean? I think if I remember correctly, that's what Dylan was telling me about what happened with Galgeway was like, they did the, uh, the Europe tour and it was like, they were going to all these really cool spots, but they couldn't go anywhere. They would just get to the shows, eat, and then sleep and then drive the whole next day. And it's like, I, that just seems like it, when I started hearing about that, I was like, wow, this really isn't like, like what you would like imagine it to be. You know what I mean? I'm sure like, it's obviously not like that with every tour. I mean, I don't know from experience, but I like, I'm sure it's not like that every tour. It just depends on how the routing is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it really depends on the routing and it also depends on what kind of vehicle you're in. And you know, it, if you're if you're on a smaller tour, you you got to think about this. If you're on a smaller tour, everyone's making less money. Right. Then there's a smaller budget. And if there's a smaller budget, like off days cost money because mm-hmm. if you have an off day, you're that's a day that you're paying for your driver, you're paying for your van or your bus, and you don't have income that day because there's no show. So, like in the early my my first year with being as an ocean we fuck we just didn't do off days man like we yeah if we were on a tour and there was an off day we would book our own show that day because it was just you know and i remember being frustrated at it at the time because i'm like dude like playing drums takes a toll on your body and i'm like i have played an hour set 30 nights in a row now like i Mm -hmm. need a break you know and uh yeah so i mean it's nice now you know with Beartooth we're at, we're at a point where, you know, fortunately we're able to afford, you know, taking a, a solid amount of off days. So we don't, we don't really like, to, I mean, we do it sometimes, but we, we try not to do more than like four shows in a row mm-hmm. um, without taking an off day. So we usually do like three on one off, two on one off, something like that. Yeah. Um, so we'll have at least one off day a week. Um you know, usually two, which is, which is nice, but yeah, man, you know, to add to what you're saying, when, when you're touring at a, you know, the, the first couple of times you get over there and it's hard to make money over there and stuff, the, the conditions are definitely not really what you imagine. Um, right. And it's, still, it still can be a really cool experience, but it's, it's definitely, it's tough. It's tough for sure. So, uh, all right. Tell me, tell me your, all right. I'm wrapping up 
your time with being as an ocean going into Beartooth, but tell me the craziest story you have from touring with being as an ocean that you can talk about. Uh, oh man. <laughs> so many to choose from. Um, oh, I'm going to say that stick to your guns tour that you brought up with trash talk. So it was stick to your guns, trash talk, these nuts and yes, dude, and as an ocean. And man, we were all on one bus and it was just like, dude, it was just nightmare after nightmare after like literally every day a new problem came up. And, uh, I think probably the craziest thing that happened on that tour was our bus broke down in, I want to say we were in Poland. Dude. Okay. You know, what's really funny is it, I remember you posting about this. We talked about this outside of, I remember there's a story related to Poland with something really crazy. And that's actually what I was going to ask you about, but I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it. So it's really funny that we're connected here. So go ahead. (laughs) We broke broke down on the side of the highway in Poland and uh, man, it was four bands. I mean, trash talk probably had five people stick to your guns had six or seven. I mean, dude, we were probably, we were easily 25 people. And there was just nowhere to like, we're on the highway, so you can't really walk anywhere. And the only thing I remember, uh, I remember Lee from trash talk was like, Oh, there's an Ikea. And we were like, Ikea. All right. I mean, Ikea <laughs> usually has some food. So we all walked along the highway to Ikea. We probably walked like two miles to get to this Ikea and we get in there and as soon as we walk in, obviously all eyes are on us. Like, mm-hmm. first of all, you can tell that we're not, that we're American or at least that we're not from there, you know? Right. And there's like 25 of us and we all go in there at the same time. And we just rushed the, the cafeteria or cafe, whatever. And we all ate at Ikea and then killed as much time as we could in the Ikea. And I think we ended up missing our show that night. We might've even ended up, missing it the next night too. <laughs> I mean, definitely missed a couple shows on that tour because I'm going to say, let's say it was a 30 day tour. I'm, I think we went through seven or eight buses. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, man. It was, it was awful. Oh, and, and we, we, we got being as an ocean got robbed on that tour too. One of the, one of the bus drivers, uh, just randomly left and quit the company uh, coincidentally on the same day that our, our bag full of money went missing from safely inside the bus. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Who could have so, did it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, man, it was, it was, that was a crazy tour, man. I can't, I mean, that's just, I'm not even scratching the surface here, but yeah, so I'm many, sure. so many stories from that one. <laughs> so then how did the, uh, how did the transition into Beartooth go? So I was in being as an ocean for two years and it was pretty much at the end of the two years. I was, uh, I was just kind of, I was just kind of done with all the touring, man. I just, I had hit a tipping point where touring 10 months out of the year was taking such a toll on me, Mm -hmm. um, that I just, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, it was really difficult. Sorry if you can hear my dogs barking. It's okay, bro. I'm going to try to go to a quieter place. But um, yeah, uh, 
yeah, it was, we, we were touring like 10 months a year and it was just, I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, so, so yeah, I finally, we were in the middle of a tour and I just kind of sat everyone down and was like, you know, listen, I love you guys and I appreciate, you know, everything you've given me in the two years I've been in this band, but I just, you know, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, and I pretty much had no plan in effect mm-hmm. to play for anybody else or anything like that. All I knew was I need to get off the road cause I'm about to have like a nervous breakdown. Right. And, um, yeah, so I, I, that was in October, 2015. And then in January of 2016, so only a couple months later, I got called by Emerosa and, and asked to, uh, to record on their record. So I flew out and wrote and recorded the record with them, um, but I still didn't really want to tour, so I didn't end up doing any touring with them. Um, and then a couple months later, uh, sometime in, at the end of March uh, 2016, Caleb from Beartooth called me and just kind of told me that they needed a drummer. And uh, I felt like, okay, I think I'll, I'm kind of ready to go back on the road now. And, mm-hmm. you know, on top of that, really what it was, is I just, I was a fan of the band. You know, I really liked what they were doing. Um, so it was kind of an easy call. Like I knew, you know, if this dude calls me, like, I'm going to say yes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and him and I were kind of just starting to become friends, um, you know, in the last year before that we met on warp tour 2015 so you know probably like eight months before he called me and uh and yeah so i kind of thought you know maybe one day i I can end up playing with this band and Mm -hmm. yeah as soon as he called me uh, you know it was a no-brainer so and yeah i've been with them for coming up on five years now yeah i've i know i've seen you i think i've seen you with them like four times four or five times now yeah yeah man it's wild yeah and wild yeah because i remember what it was uh rockville where that was like that was like i think i i can't remember if that was the first time i saw you with them yeah it would have been yeah i think so it was the first time but i just remember being up on the stage with your brother and like it was like 12 and it was like 12 p.m and seeing the amount of people coming over that hill to watch you guys and i was like this is there were thousands of people and yeah. then also, and then also hearing, um, constantly hearing, uh, the one song on the radio when I was in my, in my old gym. And I, I remember texting you and being like, dude, I, this is so crazy, you know? And yeah, it, that, yeah, that band fundamentally is like, obviously a lot different than, um, being as an ocean. And I know you had to, uh, did you have to relearn double bass? Yeah, dude, I didn't own a double pedal for, so I never played double pedal in Being As An Ocean. Yeah. And I, I didn't own one from, I got rid of my double pedal in 2010. So Which I only was a had terrible one for a move. <laughs> <laughs> I only had one for a couple of years and I got rid of it in 2010 and in, I never touched one again until 2016. Wow. With Beartooth. So as soon as he called me, like literally the day Caleb called me, Mm-hmm. I went to, I went to Sam Ash. Uh, I was still living in Florida at the time. I went to Sam Ash and the guy who was the manager in the drum department was a good friend of mine. 
and he just let me take a double pedal and he was like, just bring it back. I'll, you know, he let me take like a floor model and borrow it. Uh-huh. And he was like, just bring it back. And I, so I went home and started learning the songs because I had, they had a, Beartooth had a tour starting in like 10 days and, right. and I had to learn, like, it was a headliner. I had to learn like 20 songs. So mm-hmm. we didn't play all 20 songs, but I think Caleb just wanted to fucking put me through the ringer to, to see if I was up to the challenge um it's funny him and i laugh about it now i'm like you bastard you made me learn like 20 songs in like basically a because i had like a week and then i flew out there for rehearsals yeah for a couple days before the tour i'm like you made me learn like 20 songs and we only played like 12 (laughs) and he i was like and i remember when you gave me the list of songs you were like yeah we haven't finalized the set list yet so just learn all these and then we'll figure out which ones we're gonna play and I'm like, well, finalize that shit so I don't have to learn all these right, songs. Right, exactly, yeah. But of course, I wasn't going to say that back then. So I was like, yeah, I was just so pumped to be playing yeah. with them. So yeah, him and I joke about it now. It's funny. But um, but yeah, man, it's I did have to relearn double double pedal. And, you know, it's it's cool, man. It's a totally different, you know, it's a drumming style that I had kind of, I hadn't messed with in several years because Being As An Ocean was pretty mellow. yeah. And all the stuff that I played in those years, like at home and stuff was, was softer stuff. And, you know, I kind of liked playing. Yeah. More, more, uh, I, I really liked playing like singer songwriter type stuff on drums and, and I enjoyed playing hip hop stuff and mm-hmm. I never really messed with metal. I hadn't, I hadn't messed with metal since like the Avenged Sevenfold days. So <laughs> it had been a while. Well, so wait hold on i'm trying to remember because i do remember didn't you get dragged into doing a straight from the path set though yeah so that was okay so i have two stories about that so because i that was you had to learn i mean you're obviously going to talk about it but didn't you have to do it overnight you learn all that stuff not overnight? Even, man yeah no not i didn't even have overnight so it was the first time i filled in for them was 2015 it was actually the the tour it was my last tour with being as an ocean so it was the one that i was just talking about we were supporting straight from the path and uh we're driving to uh the first show in florida so we're driving to play in tampa what's that venue called in tampa uh orpheum orpheum yeah Yeah. so we were going to play the orpheum and my dad was coming out and I was really excited like to get to see my dad and hang out with him. That was always kind of a relief for me on those tours. Yeah. And, uh, we're like an hour away from the Orpheum. It's like 1 PM and the guitar player from stray Tom calls me and he's like, listen, uh, Dan, who was their drummer at the time. He's like, Dan has to fly home. Like he, he has a, he has a situation at home. He has to go home. Is there any way you can, you know, play drums for us tonight. And I'm like, send me the set list right now. So that was probably at like, like I said, probably at one o'clock, I started listening to the songs in the van and just kind of air drumming along to them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we uh, got to the venue and I was able to run through like, I don't know, maybe four or five songs with Stray. That's it. And so I had to learn 12 songs that day. I probably had about, I don't know, seven hours or so to learn them jesus and dude i played i played with them that night and i ended up playing with them for the rest of the tour yeah um so i ended up playing i think a total of like 11 or 12 shows with them uh and then so that was october 2015 right so then fast forward 
to my first tour with Beartooth, mm-hmm. which was April 2016, so six months later. And, you know, Stray has a new drummer at this point, Craig. Shout out to Craig, man. I love Craig. And uh, we are, so Beartooth's headlining and Stray is direct support. So Stray's probably playing like a 45-minute set. And they are literally, dude, 15 minutes from, from starting. And mm-hmm. Drew, the singer, comes into our green room and he goes, dude, Craig literally can't stand up. He has food poisoning. And he's like, <laughs> he goes, he looks at me. This is what he does. He, Drew looks at me. He's a character, man. I, I love those guys. Drew looks at me and he goes, Craig's got food poisoning. He can't even stand up. What do you think? And I was like, <laughs> um, I, was like I mean, you're playing a pretty different set list, but if you're willing to put in some of the songs that I played six months ago, I can, my muscle memory might be able to get me through it. Yeah. And that's what we did. And it wasn't the greatest set ever, but they I mean, were able to play. And, you know, so, yeah. so yeah, I filled in for them a couple times now. And yeah, I, I love those dudes, man. And I love that band. That's another band that I'm a big fan of. So it was just like, you know, even though it was a stressful situation, I was, mm-hmm. I jumped at the opportunity to be able to play drums with them. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's just crazy. Cause like their stuff's pretty tight. I mean, I listened to the, when that first record came out, I, I love that that first record back way back in the day and yeah, me too. their drumming's always been super technical but i felt like their fourth record in it was just like it was on another level he dan was like he he's always been a really technical drummer and then even the newer stuff now i um i listened to your podcast on the downbeat uh just your interview and like i went back and like listened to because i you guys were talking a lot about like the technical aspects of some of their songs. So I wanted to go back and listen to like the songs that you're talking about. And I was like, that stuff's really technical now. It's like really crazy. And I, that's I was funny. Cause you were talking about like relearning double bass. And that's when I remembered that. Cause that's something I've always wanted to ask you about. Cause that's a really crazy turnaround to get all those songs down. And then especially some of the newer stuff. So, yeah, man, all their stuff is pretty, is pretty hectic. Um, Dan is a, is a phenomenal drummer and Craig, Craig is also, uh, I mean, Craig just blows my mind, dude. I mean, that, that dude's drumming is just, you know, it's on another level, man. And so like trying to fill those guys shoes was definitely a daunting task. Um, but I had a great time doing it. And, you know, given the situation, like the first time I had a couple hours to learn all the stuff. And then the second time, like they basically asked me with, 15 20 minutes notice yeah out of the leeway nobody was like expecting me to play it perfectly so mm-hmm. so you know it wasn't like a it wasn't super super stressful i mean it was but it you know it was everyone was cool about it like hey man just do what you can and either right. way you're helping us out because we're getting to play the show so i mean as long as you're on time i don't think any kid in the crowd except for like the two drummers in the crowd that are gonna be like well <laughs> exactly yeah, that's a good point exactly there was not yeah. a ghost note there he no missed it <laughs> yeah exactly i just yeah that's it's really funny though i now you know you just can never tour with that band because they're always going to do that they're always going to come to you and be like <laughs> well we're just going to put you out there so hey go do I'm, it. I'm fine with that next time i'll be prepared <laughs> i'll just learn the whole discography yeah. uh you should actually just learn the really old songs and then that way you force them to play the really old songs that way they're like what the fuck man <laughs> And they, they won't even remember how to play them. So now they're yeah, exactly. trying to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. So just <laughs> turn it around on them. Yeah. So then, um, Beartooth, you know, obviously the 
the tours with Beartooth have progressively gotten like pretty big. You guys played Download Fest, right? We did, yeah. Okay. We've done Download twice now. Yeah, I remember. I watched the Download set. That okay? What would you say is the biggest show you've ever played? Was it that one? Download 2016 in the UK because there's a Download Paris now too, and we oh, played. Okay. We played Download Paris, and there was about ten people watching. But <laughs> we played we played Download UK in two thousand. I mean, that's I don't even want to say Download UK. It's just Download, you know. Yeah. But we played that in two thousand sixteen, and uh, we 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 got to we got to play on the main stage, and that was easily that was the biggest crowd we've ever played to, man. I mean, that I mean, that was just nuts. Yeah, it gives me claustrophobia just looking at that, thinking about being in that crowd. <laughs> like I, I've seen the down. Like I watched like. Obviously, I'll watch the Slipknot ones and things like that because that's just like it's so fun to see. But I always see that crowd and I'm like, there's not a chance in hell I would ever be at the front of that barricade or even near that. Like I I couldn't imagine. But I mean, it's awesome because I see that. And like, obviously, knowing you for so long to see you playing a crowd like that is fucking amazing. But yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, dude, those to add to your point about those crowds, I mean, those UK and Europe festivals are man, they're another animal. It's just, it's not, uh, it's not really comparable to anything that goes on over here in the States. Yeah. Um, and the, the people who go to those festivals, I mean, they're just literally from like 10 AM to midnight, they're just going nuts all day. And I mean, truly those are, you know, if I, if I had to name the top 10 best crowds I've ever played to all mm-hmm. 10 are going to be Europe and UK festivals. I would imagine. And what were <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember. There was like a time I remember when you were over there for something. Um, oh, and actually, I have to write down another thing that you did that I really want to talk about because we've talked about it before. And that would be the uh, the cruise you did with POD. So we'll get to that in a bit. But what was the craziest band that you got to see on a festival that you were playing? Like as far as like, I'm trying to remember. There was like one band that you were watching live that you had never seen before that like blew your mind. And I remember it being like a really crazy band. Um, but I just can't remember off the top of my head. I have really scattered memories because like, you know, I always see you posting really crazy stuff when it comes to that stuff. So I'm trying to remember like now to talk about, but who's been like the craziest band that you've gotten to see, like as far as playing like a festival like that um, and craziest, I mean, I mean like, you know, craziest crowd or just a band that you never thought that you would get to see that you saw and you were just like blown away by. Uh, I mean, black, black Sabbath would have okay. to be the, the number one answer i mean download 2016 they were the headliner on main stage which i mm-hmm. you know i think that was a big part of the the crowd we got to play to is people were li- were you know claiming their spots so right. you know we played at like one o'clock they played at like 10 o'clock but people will wait all day you know so um that was i mean that's a band i obviously never thought i would see yeah and uh yeah, I mean that that was pretty insane. Um, I I watched the whole set standing there in the rain, mm-hmm. mud everywhere. Like, yeah, it was a pretty surreal experience. Um, that's definitely got to be the craziest. I'm trying to think of other ones. I mean, I saw Slipknot for the first time. Yeah, that's what uh, I was going to ask. How it was for you to one see of those Slipknot? Festivals. Uh, that was really cool, man. I mean, you know, I like pretty much anybody who likes heavy music. I've always wanted to see them. Yeah. And so, yeah, and that, that one was pretty recently. That was, I want to say that was last year, sometime in 2019. Um, 
so that was pretty cool uh man who else red hot chili peppers oh damn um man so honestly man so many because with those festivals it's like yeah you could be you could be on the third stage playing at one o'clock and Mm -hmm. you know so it's like you're playing to a relatively normal crowd but you know the headliner might be some larger than life band you know this that's the case a lot of the times with those big festivals well that was like i think wasn't the last rockville you played here in jacksonville was that the year that uh foo fighters and queens of the stone age played we okay so we didn't play that year but i but i went actually jake kinnear and i went yeah yeah so i so i I saw you that i think i saw you there too were you there no i didn't get to go so that I forget what happened. Um, oh, I just, I didn't want to, it was a really stupid. Uh, so I, I worked the year before was the year I saw you was when I was working with cam filming and I was trying to get, um, approved to work that year that Foo Fighters and Queens of the Stone Age were playing, but I couldn't get in. Um, and so I was going to go just see Queens of the Stone Age in Tampa and that fell through. So then I didn't go to, um, cause Foo Fighters and them were playing the same day, weren't they? I think they were playing yeah, like back to back, which yeah, was Queens of the Stone Age played like the, the second stage. And right when they finished, Foo Fighters started on the main stage. Yeah. I don't, I can't remember. I think maybe I was like, something was going on. I don't think it was as stupid of an excuse as I didn't want to pay for it because I remember like, I was like, I will pay for it. Like I'll go. And I was talking to Jake about going with both of you, but for some reason it didn't happen. And then the worst thing was, one of my friends in Tampa tweeted out saying that apparently like their tour manager asked to buy weed from him. And he was like, so I got these backstage passes and I immediately texted him. I was like, dude, please give me the backstage passes to go see Queens of the Stone Age. And he didn't message me back until like three in the morning was like, dude, sorry, I fell asleep. And I was like, Oh my God, dude, come on. Like, why, why would you ever do that? You know, I was so pissed. And he's like, dude, I'm sorry, man. He's like, I'll, I'll see if I can get you into the next show, which was like in Miami or something. And I was like, I'm not driving to Miami. I have work. You know what I mean? But it was just like, yeah, it just, it just wasn't That's meant for crazy. me to see them. I, I wish I, sh- I should have went to the Jacksonville show with you guys, but what are you going to do? Yeah. Great show. Yeah. Um, so, all right. I want to ask you about the, uh, the cruise you guys did. Yeah, so we've actually done it twice now. Yeah, um, the one with POD though, that's the only one that I, I want to know about. Okay, so that was in 2018. <laughs> um, yeah, that was in 2018. It's called Ship Rocked. So it's yeah. basically, it's like a five-day cruise and, um, it, you know, it goes to a different place every year. And man, it's just like basically metal and rock bands and a bunch of people who are, you know, diehard fans of of that music and Mm -hmm. you're just on a cruise with like 30 bands and you know thousands of people and um it's a trip man i mean it's a pretty it's a pretty unique experience uh you know you're on you're on the same cruise as everyone attending right like so the bands are you know if you're at the pool you Mm -hmm. know you might run into someone from a band there and right so for the, for the people who are attending the cruise you know it's mm-hmm. it's pretty trippy you're kind of just talking with you're, you're just meeting so many people you're meeting a lot of fans and you're also meeting a lot of people from other bands that you know like i got to hang out with a couple of the pod guys and i was like that's pretty cool man i'm just sitting here at the bar having a you know having a conversation with this dude you know it's so yeah. um it's it's cool man it's a it's a really, really cool experience. And, uh, 
it's a lot of fun and it's i hope we get to do it again i mean yeah that just seems i have you ever seen the video of um the infamous video of the guitar player of uh dragon force yes okay yes. yeah because that's like what that's what i envision because like i i always forget that those kinds of cruises happen and actually in reference um got to play like one and i remember when they told me about it and uh in reference to a sinking ship and they played mm-hmm. it years ago they played a metal one and that's when i like first heard about those and then i remember seeing the dragon force video where he's playing the solo in the pool with like just a random dude carrying him through the he pool while he's just ripping yeah. ripping the solo the infamous guitar hero solo and i was like that's the coolest thing and then when i was seeing you post videos of like <laughs> i still remember the video you posted when you're walking you're like in the water at the Bahamas or whatever. And like POD is playing the, uh, the acoustic set on the beach. And I was like, this is the coolest thing I have ever seen. And you're just like, like I couldn't imagine that. That'd yeah. be like the craziest thing to me. I would love to go on one of those just to see like, you know, they do like the Weezer cruise and stuff and the crazy like metal ones with like behemoth and stuff. And I couldn't imagine like getting to do that. That's such a, such a funny, like not funny, but it, it is just a crazy concept to do. It is it's comical yeah yeah dude it's 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 a trip man i mean yeah and you know there's bands playing on the cruise while the cruise is moving but then wherever you port there's always at least a couple bands that that play a set so yeah i mean on that uh, on that first year that we did it uh man i couldn't even tell you yeah i think it was somewhere in the bahamas um yeah that bahamas sounds right i don't even remember and we were on the beach and there was a little stage on the sand and POD was playing <laughs> and there was like thousands of people just in the water on the beach. Right. Um, we're just watching them play. It, f- it felt, you know what it felt like to me? It felt like those uh, old MTV spring yes. break performances. Right. That, that's what it reminded me in of. In Daytona beach, which is even funnier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the infamous limp biscuit video where they like blow up the car or whatever on the beach. Yeah. That's like, that's like the video that I think, which is so funny. Cause like, obviously when I grew up in Daytona, or like around that area, none of that cool stuff was happening. Like that's when, like, I feel like the year that I got into that kind of stuff was the year everything stopped, but it's just so funny to see those videos. And that's exactly what it reminded me of too. Cause like you see no one on the beach, but then you see like all these people just sitting in the water, watching this shit, like watching this set. And it's just so fun. It's such a funny concept to me that like POD is playing this set with people with tiki drinks. And it's like, it's so awesome. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's cool i love it um so the like i that was pretty recent so how is like how has it been progressing like touring wise now like i mean you guys are doing pretty big tours now i feel like the what was the last bi- big tour you did i think that was the well actually i don't remember but what was the last big tour you did in, in the states uh in the states we just did a a tour in January, we were uh, co-headlining with Motionless and White, mm-hmm. and um, that was the the biggest, you know. Head, I mean, it was a co-headliner, but that was the biggest yeah. um, headline tour we've ever done. So, so that was at, at least in the states. And then right after that, we went over to Europe, and uh, so that was February and March of this year. Uh, we were in Europe and. I mean, that, that had to be the craziest shows we've ever done. You know, we had, we had full production for the whole thing. And so we had pyro and we had, mm-hmm. you know, sparks and, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, it was really cool, man. I mean, 
playing those those shows over in Europe is just it's kind of mind blowing. I, I never thought we'd be headlining to you know crowds as big as we were. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I saw a lot of videos. Who who's been? Because I I know you've toured with like a lot of the same bands. Uh, like, you know, as far as like I, at least when I've seen you like touring in Europe and stuff, who's been like your who's been kind of the band that you like know that you're gonna like get along with really well and like have fun with um i mean man going back to that tour in january we hit it off with with the motionless guys on a level that you know is you rarely hit it off with another band i mean i I love all those dudes and touring with them was was an absolute blast Mm -hmm. um and uh i mean there's so many you know there's so many bands i love to tour with going back to the dudes in stray you know Mm -hmm. I, i love touring with stray um you know i've done a lot of tours with stick to your guns and i love those guys um so many bands man so many but yeah the the motionless dudes like we're still you know i still talk to them you know about that tour like oh yeah. man i wish we were still on that tour it's like dude it's like it's almost a year later <laughs> and still none of us are over it like we had such a good time on that tour you know mm-hmm. um yeah, that when that tour ended, like the last day of that tour, nobody wanted to leave. It was like, it was almost a, it was almost like an emotional ending to a tour. It was like, damn man, like you know, we don't know when we'll see each other again. Especially now because yeah. the COVID thing wasn't really happening. That was in January, so I mean, it had kind of just started, but nobody really fore- foresaw this happening. Right. Um, so, but yeah, um, especially now, you know, who knows when we'll when we'll be able to get back on the road yeah well so then who's been like kind of like a band that you kind of got put on a tour with that like you weren't expecting to be i don't know how to put it but like that kind of just like blew you away with their first performance because i feel like me and you talked a lot about when you first saw architects because i've i've loved architects since hollow crown yeah dude you know what i'm architects would probably be my answer there i mean i I don't want to say that I was surprised because I expected an amazing performance. Yeah. Um, but, but when it, we toured with him, we toured with them in Europe last year, mm-hmm. uh, January, 2019, and they do exceptionally well in Europe. And so, you know, they had full production, they had a crazy light show, they had a video wall, they had pyro, they had, Jesus. you know, lasers. I mean, dude, it was nuts. And mm-hmm. watching them on that tour, um, I pretty much watched them every night, which is like, you know, when you're on tour with someone for, you know, a month at a time, it's pretty rare that you're going to watch their show like over yeah. and over again, because as great as it is, you're like, all right, I've seen it. I'm tired. I'm, you know, uh-huh. dude, I watched Architects. I-, I watched at least a quarter of the set every single night. Yeah. I, I mean, well, it was, it never got old. I saw them because when they put out Daybreaker, that was like the last daybreaker i like like i think that was probably my favorite record that they had done since hollow crown and then i haven't really listened to them much since but that record was insane to me and i saw them play here um and they played the social you've ever been to the social here in orlando yeah yeah man you know how small it is yeah they played played that show and it was like because i i i had seen like the videos you know back in that time it was like bands did a lot of the kind of like videos that i did with like like how von wolf did stuff like on their touring and i remember them always talking about how in america they never did well like around that time and so when i went to the social i was like i i 
was so surprised how small it was. First of all, I was, I like almost got kicked out cause I like stage dove, which was really funny that like they immediately grabbed me as soon as I stage dove for them. Like I got grabbed by security and they were like pulling me out the door and I was like, come on, dude, I'm sorry. Like, let me back in. And I watched them and I was like, so blown away by how incredible that band was. And I'll always own up to like really loving that band. Like I loved it. Like when hollow crown came out, especially because that was when I first started getting into filming and that, that music video that they did for, uh, follow the water. They did this like really crazy intricate, um, thing with like uh canon 70s that i remember like that blew my mind and that's when i was like wow this is what i want to do i want to do like music videos like this but anyways i saw them and i was like this band is so stupid good and then i remember i saw them like a year and a half later in jacksonville with jake actually jake me and jake went to a show and um same thing dude there was like no one there and i was like this is crazy but then you see them playing in europe and they play these gigantic shows which is such a which is such like a an insane thing to see like a band like that of that like magnitude over in europe doing so well and then over here just like being like mediocre you know what i mean i know they play like right. some really big shows and i know they're a lot bigger now but it's like yeah, yeah I, they're, I doing, they're doing yeah. a lot better over here now in the states yeah um, and i just remember that tour that's yeah yeah I, I i know that i just remember when you did that tour with them i remember you specifically posting about them all the time and i was always replying like dude i'm so jealous i would watch that band every night even if i don't really like their yeah. stuff i like it still doesn't matter his like range between singing and you know is just crazy like it look yeah and their drummer is amazing i i, I always loved uh the drums he did in that stuff so yeah that's yeah, pretty man. awesome fantastic well all right we'll start wrapping it up but i i have uh two uh two questions i want to pick your brain about oh wait first first before we get to this uh what's the craziest touring story you have related to bear tooth okay um about a year and a half ago <laughs> we were touring in europe and we were on our way to a show in switzerland and we're driving through like the Swiss Alps and we're on this like two lane road and it's like windy. And like, if you look over the edge, it's like, you know, a humongous drop down the mountains, like pretty terrifying. And our bus was having issues and our driver was having difficulty getting the bus with a, you know, heavy trailer up these Hills. So the bus started rolling backwards on oh, the mountain. Jesus. And when I say rolling backwards, I don't mean like, like in a movie, like we're plummeting backwards and trying right. not to fall off a cliff. But I mean, like we'd go forward for 10 seconds and then he'd shift and, you know, unsuccessfully. So the bus would start rolling back for a couple seconds and then he'd shift. And, and this was going on for like two hours. And <laughs> finally he stopped, he pulled over and he was like, he didn't speak English, but he came back and he was like, I'm done. He was like yelling. He's like, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not driving anymore. You know, I'm quitting this company. Like the <laughs> fact that they, the fact that they sent you out in this bus is like something was wrong with the bus apparently because uh -huh. we had like four drivers and nobody could drive it successfully. Oh. Um, so then we were stuck on the side of the road and the only thing that there was, was like a tiny little like gas station. Mm -hmm. And we were all in the gas station trying to find like snacks and we hear what just sounds like a big explosion and we go outside and one of the tires on the front of the bus 
blew out. So like it, it pretty much did explode and the rim right. flew off the bus and hit a passing car. Okay. And one of our guys was in the bus and he comes off like holding his ears and he's like, I can't hear anything. I can't. Oh my God, <laughs> dude. Dude. It was absolute. And then about 20 minutes later, the other front tire blew out. Um, so it was pretty insane, man. It was, that was probably, I mean, I don't know that that's the craziest cause we've, I mean, touring will, will bring you in some pretty wild situations, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, most, most recently that's probably the, the most stressed out I've been on a tour. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. That sounds like an assassination attempt to me. <laughs> yeah, might be. <laughs> All right. So the last, I have, I have two questions for you that I want, I want you to indulge me in and that's Queens of the stone age or Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters. Really? Easy. Yeah, I love Queens of the Stone Age, but Foo Fighters. Okay, see, I, I, yeah, that's a pretty hard one for me because I think I like, I think there's more Queens of the Stone Age songs that I like, but Foo Fighters is way yeah. more nostalgic. I love, I love Queen, I love Queens of the Stone Age, uh-huh. but the Foo Fighters, like Dave Grohl, is a fucking hit factory. I mean, yeah. that how many how many incredible hit songs has he written? It's just a couple. Yeah, just, just a couple. <laughs> A couple for sure. Yeah. I think, I think the coolest thing about the Foo Fighters and I think about it all the time is that they did the house show tour. Love that. I think that's like the cool, like I still watch those videos about like, they just show up to people's houses and the guy's like, dude, the fucking Foo Fighters are here. That's like something I would see Jake's dad doing and just being like Jake, Jake and his dad doing out at their crazy house in Port Orange would be the, the best thing ever just that interaction of seeing his dad talk with dave grohl would be awesome and then the other one i have is sam ash versus guitar center sam ash all day (laughs) all day sam ash they both suck but sam ash is a little bit better not as punishing when you walk inside not as not as punishing you don't get like literally bombarded as soon as you walk in the door um like you do at guitar center Mm -hmm. and i feel like at sam ash there's a there's a a little bit of a higher chance, a little like one percent more of a chance that the person who helps you is actually going to know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I agree. Even though the Sam Ash here is like really, really weird. I don't know if that's how every Sam Ash is because I've only been to the one here, but the one here is really funny. It's in a really weird uh, strip mall here in Orlando, but the Guitar yeah. Center is like, I mean, that place is. Not only do you get looked at like you're about to like somehow steal everything in the place, but like you're. Yeah, same thing. They, like, they, they don't hover. know. Yeah, they hover, and there's a kid playing on the electric drum set. Like he is beating the shit out of his stepmom, and yeah, it's a bad, <laughs> it's a bad spot. It's a bad spot. It's rough. Right. It's yeah, tough. it's rough. All right. Is there any other uh, funny stories that you want to add in? Is there something that you have to get off your chest? Is there anything that you want to talk about before we go? Bye bye. I don't think so. I'll just say uh, to anybody who may be listening. Uh, Come come check out the uh, my streaming on Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash Connor J Dennis. Um, that's really it. That's the only thing that I want to plug plug because that's the only thing I got going on right now. I, I don't know. I don't know when we'll be back out on the road again with Beartooth, but um, but yeah, um, yeah. Coming sure, out on a drum stream and I'll make sure to link it in my uh, little description on my website. Cool. Awesome. All right, bro. Well, it was very good talking to you. Thanks for doing this. I know we've been planning on doing it for a while and we'll of keep course. in touch. We'll keep in touch. I'm and glad hopefully, make it happen. Yeah. And I know 
sometime soon I will be back in Nashville. Enjoy the uh, cold weather while you can. Awesome. I won't. I won't enjoy it. I'm already sick of it, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk right, to you man, later. All right, bye, one love. bye. Bye-bye.